So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pop Culture Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here. I hope you're all doing really well. Coming after you live from far north Queensland today, up in Cairns. I've, uh, I've just finished a workout, hence the, hence the outfit. Not overly happy with the complexion, I'm going to be honest, in this video. I thought the tan was maybe a little stronger than, than what it was. But uh, I sat down and I had organised the lighting. Um, and then when I hit record, I realised, wow, it's... Uh, there's there's a lot of pale going on now. Just as a as a quick point before we get started, just I feel the need to clarify. I'm not trying to make any points in this singlet. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to go out of my way to to uh, you know suggest that I think I've got a better rig than I have. I've purely just got home from a workout, as you can tell. Clearly worked on shoulders and triceps. And uh, mother-in-law who we're staying with for the next nine days is out of the house, as is my wife and little boy. And I thought, you know what? Uh, what could I do for the next hour? And the idea of uh, sitting down, checking Instagram was there. And, and that was that was tempting, I'm going to be honest. But then I thought of you guys. I thought, well, what about my crew? Because that's what, that's what I call you guys. You're my, you're my crew. Some people say, wow, what a wanker comment. I say, don't mess with my click, is usually what I say. Sometimes people come up to me and they go, bro, what's your issue? I go, I'm protecting my click, man. They go, okay, I get it. I, I didn't know you were that kind of guy. I didn't know you were sort of... I didn't know you were a click kind of a, a community. You know, you know the podcast is getting serious when you travel with a microphone arm, don't you? Like if, if you've packed a microphone arm and your own microphone in your, in your carry-on luggage because you care about the safety of the, uh, of the equipment that you're carrying, the podcast is serious. I mean, it's, it's at a point in its game where it's become a passion more than anything. Anyway. We almost didn't get here, you know. Well, technically, the first day we didn't get here. So, so Jesse and I, we live in Western Victoria, technically. That sounds too far out of Melbourne. We live an hour and a half west of Melbourne. It's not really Western Victoria. I feel like I was trying to go for too much just there. But the closest airport to us is Avalon Airport. And a few weeks ago, we thought, all right, well, what would be the best way for us to travel with a, with a little kid? And so we thought, well, what we'll do, we'll, we'll drive a little bit further to the Melbourne airport and take a direct flight to Cairns rather than uh, taking the closest airport and then having to do two stops. It makes sense. Perfect. And so it's Wednesday today. On Monday, we got to the airport two hours. Uh, we got there about two hours early. We thought oh, it would be a good chance for, for little Charlie boy to run around, burn some energy, do his thing before we get on the plane. And uh, anyway, after a little while, we, we went to... If you hear some airplanes coming over our house, we, we, live, we live close to the airport, okay? My, my editing skills aren't that good. But uh, we thought, oh, well, it's enough time for Charlie Boy to run around, have a little bit of fun. Like, we're all winners in that scenario. And then about an hour and a half before the flight, hour 10 before the flight, we thought, oh, well, what we'll do, we'll just go check in now, get rid of our bags. And as we did, we, uh, we checked in, and it just kept coming up with a flight to Sydney, which is not what we wanted, which is not where we were going. We had no reason to be in Sydney. And... Uh, so we went to the lady and go, hey, what, what's going on here? She goes, oh, you're, you're at the wrong airport. We said, no, no, we're, we're going to Cairns. This is the right airport. She goes, well, yeah, there's no flights from, from here to Cairns today. So if you want to get it, you've got 50 minutes to get to the gate of the Tullamarine Airport, which was never going to happen. This is where I realised that Jesse's very optimistic in these scenarios because we're, honestly, they say it's 50 minutes, but there's always a car accident. There's always roadworks. There's, you know 
you, you get caught up in the left-hand lane when you want to be in the right-hand lane. There's, there's very few times in your life where you're going to go from where you need to be to where you hope to be in the time that Siri tells you that it's going to take. I, a lot of people fail to, or a lot of people don't agree with that. A lot of people argue, but I'm yet to be proven wrong. And this was another one of those scenarios. So we got in the car, we raced to the airport. There was some tension in the air. Jessie's very good under pressure, but uh, this particular day she got flustered. And I, I turn into a little bit of a smart ass when people around me are flustered because it's, I don't know why, I, just, I can't quite handle fluster. I don't, I don't do well with fluster around me. So we got to the airport and we were like we were miles away. We were miles away. But then what happened? Jesse ran in. We transferred both of our flights, 70 bucks each or 75 bucks each. And uh, the plan was we'll fly out at 6 a.m. tomorrow, which is always fun when you've got a 18 month old, because that means, well, if we we're going to go back home, we'll have to get up at 2.30. So we called some friends. They look, hey, can we stay at your house? They said, if you have to, yeah, if, you, if, that's what you, if you've got no other options whatsoever, it's hard for us to say no. I wish you, this is where text messages are handy. Like if, you, if you're going to call, for, if you ever need a favor, call a friend. Don't text because saying no is so much easier to do over a text message. We could hear in the guy's voice they didn't want us to stay with them. It was obvious. You didn't have to be a genius to realize that was true. But they, they had us or we had them against the ropes because they were on the phone. Anyway, next morning, got up. It was a 3.30 start. We got to the airport, um, the right airport this time, and uh, and the lady who had transferred our flight the day before had forgotten to transfer my flight, and the flight was full. And we, I was thinking, mate, this is fantastic. I'm going to have a week to myself. Jessie's going to go up to Cairns and have to babysit for a week. I'm going to be doing comedy all week, um, you know, staying up late, telling manly stories. And... We didn't know what happened, but the uh, the line was building up behind us. There was 40 people in the line. People, It's weird in those situations as well because people don't really know where to direct their frustration because truth was we were in this particular scenario. Like had we, had we made people line up for, you know, 40 people the day before, it would have been our fault because we stuffed that up. But this particular time it was the, it was the air hostess or, or whatever you call it. it was the, it's not the air hostess, is it? It was the check-in lady who had stuffed up. And so people are getting frustrated at us. Airports are funny like that. We, uh, long story short, we got on the flight. We managed to do it. It was, it was just gold. There was a kid two rows ahead of us who was just a little spastic, uh, which, which was nice for us. And I, I had more grace than I ever had before because I knew that at any moment my own child could turn into a spastic and the negative attention of the plane would turn to us. And this is the thing with airplanes, I reckon, because I, I don't know if this is true. I'm a slightly nervous flyer. Like my hands will get a little bit sweaty. Jessie, on the other hand, she's she's never, like she's fine. She's fine. It doesn't matter how bumpy it is. doesn't matter how turbulent it is. The plane could be upside down. She'd be like, hey, this is this is a good view. This is nice, isn't it? I like, I like how they've got an upside view, upside down view option. And uh, why did I say that? Yeah, because we're coming into land, and I feel like takeoff and landing is where the most tension is. And if there's a crying kid on the plane, I, I think the tension on the air, or the tension on board the plane, is it's already at its precipice. It's already at a high, so there's not too much more stress that people can handle. So you can hear, you can see people rolling their eyes and banging their seat. And uh, this kid, and he was a dickhead. This kid, if I didn't have a kid uh, that could have broken out in a tantrum 
at any moment, there's there's no way I would have been as patient as I was. So I was just trying to use good karma, and uh, and it worked. My kid fell asleep for the first hour. He we made him a surprise pack of you know those little. It's probably not a good thing psychologically to give a kid, but you know when you go to your grandparents' house and they have the weekly dose of antibiotics, like the breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So we had one of those for each day of the week, and Jesse had just packed little little surprise packs in there. He my kid's got the weirdest taste as well. He's got the weirdest taste. I think Jesse's done a good job. Maybe it could be the Mediterranean blood that's uh, that's running through him, like the Eastern European blood, that Macedonian blood that's running through him. But he's like one of the op- which kid? One of the options was uh, chili and garlic olives. Even I haven't developed a taste for those just yet. My palate isn't quite accustomed to the severity of that flavour. And so I, I smelt. I thought that's too much. And the next one was a smoked salmon option. I thought this is embarrassing. Kids are parents around. It's like just give him a chocolate, you cockhead. Just give your kid a chocolate and watch how happy. Stop with this. Stop with this garlic and chili olive option. Let your kid live. But he loved it. He loved it. He didn't like his Vegemite crackers, which was fine. I, I you know, didn't really rate them either. Didn't think they probably deserved the opportunity to get in there, but. Hey, we got here. We got here. All, all is good. All is good. Now we've got 10 days till we fly back down. And, and I'm hoping he does a repeat of his behavior from the way up because it was just fantastic. It makes you love your kid more when he's not being a spastic in public. Because for, before I had a kid, I, I always assumed that it was the parent's fault. The parent was the problem. So a kid would be acting badly in a, a public space and I would go, okay, so the parent, the parent has, has mental issues. Like this parent doesn't deserve to be a parent. Do you ever get that? Like, who do you blame? And now, now I'm a parent. I can't do that because I, I class myself as a good dad, and and my kid still has freakouts in public. And I go, well, I can't let go of the idea that I'm a good dad. Surely I'm not the problem here. Surely it's the kid. I would never call my kid a retard in public, but sometimes the way he acts, uh, there's there's no like if you're allowed to say that word publicly, I think that's the only description that you could offer him. And uh, and so I've got more grace for parents, but less grace for kids, I think, which is the reverse of what's supposed to happen when you have a kid. To be honest, I look at the way the adults behave as well. I look at the way the adults act. Airports are funny because they're such a highly emotional place. I saw a guy yesterday. I, I don't know exactly what was happening. He was probably frustrated because he was caught behind us in the line. But he was, he was trying to check in his oversized luggage. He had to check in his baggage and, uh, and things weren't going well. This guy was 45, he was with his wife. Things didn't quite work out and, uh, and, he, and he kicked the, that baggage wheel. It's not called a baggage wheel, is it? What's it called? The, the luggage belt. So he kicked that and he's, my favorite thing in those situations is to watch the response of the wives, to watch the partner react, uh, just in pure embarrassment. Because I have many of those moments in private where Jesse will see that, and, I, and I'm embarrassed just to be around her. But when it happens in an airport around a few hundred people, you've got to go, come on. Like, you've got to, you've got to hold that together. Not as easy said than done, though. My kid's gone through a phase where he pulls my hair. And, and last night when no one was looking, I thought, well, stuff it. I'm going to pull his hair back. So we've always, Jesse always says to me, and it makes a lot of sense, she goes, look, if you've got a kid who's hitting, it doesn't make sense to smack because you're smacking them for doing what you don't want them to do. So what kind of an example is that? And I go, well, it makes a lot of sense when you're not emotional. But last night I was sitting on the beanbag down here, my kid walked out and pulled my hair. I thought, get stuffed, no one was watching. I pulled his hair back, he started crying. 
Went up to my wife and said, Daddy, because he hasn't got words yet, so I can get away with stuff like that. Daddy, I get, keep talking, dickhead. Like, what did I do? Tell mum what I did. Yeah, good luck to you. He starts doing the actions. Like, Daddy, pull. She goes, Dad, did you pull, did you pull Charlie's hair? I was like, yes, he's bloody lying again. How does he even lie when he doesn't have words? She goes, you pulled his hair. He, baby, he's 18 months old. He doesn't understand that yet. You're 35. I go, oh, all right, let's... Okay, apparently racism's a problem, sexism's a problem. Oh, what, all of a sudden, ageism is okay? Expect, expect a higher level of, I don't know, uh, parenting ability based purely on my age? What kind of a theory is that, is what I said. It's always hard when you've got family around because they're there to justify the idea of the person who's making more sense. So her mum came out and go, Tice, that's a, a ridiculous argument. I don't remember inviting you into this bloody argument, dumb bitch. Is what I, <laughs> I didn't say that. I've got to keep looking over my shoulder because if they walk in that door, do you know I tweaked my neck the other day at the gym? Just it's so embarrassing when when you tweak your neck because all week, you know, when you see an old man or an old lady who are like they've just lost that range of movement throughout their neck, just walking down the street, and you go, "Hey, look at that! There's a like there's a beautiful bird over there," and they they can't just go like. Well, I can't do the example now because my neck is tweaked, but they've got to turn the whole the whole body. It's like they should have they should have committed to yoga at a much younger age. But problem is, I tweaked my neck doing yoga the other day, so my theory is faulty. My theory is faulty. Really interesting, actually. So, uh, my my mother in law, great great woman, also very. Very spiritual woman. I'm not sure if you'd call her. She's. I thought she was Jewish. That's what I thought she was. She's been on a. She's been on a little bit of a journey the last few years. I thought she was a Jew. And uh, a messianic Jew, like she was a Christian, a while ago, and then I'm not sure what happened, but there was there was some tension there. She, the denomination wasn't quite right, or she had an argument with someone, and all of a sudden she realised that it wasn't for her. Uh, last night I came here. And we'd been on the plane for a couple of hours, so I said, "Hey, I'm I'm just going to do a little bit of yoga." And she said to Jesse, hey, um, maybe don't, like, can, is it yoga? Like, is he doing chants and prayers and meditation and stuff like that? I go, well, no, I'm not. I'm just, it's more stretching. She's like, all right, can we just call it stretching then? Because uh, the idea of bringing yoga in here is, is sort of not what I'm about. I don't really like that energy. And I thought, I just, I don't know, it's weird, the, the world of spirituality, because people have such different ideas, especially in the West at the moment. If you don't do yoga, like, you're nowhere near woke. And you've got to be a tiny bit woke, especially as a Melbourne boy. You can't just be walking around totally, totally asleep. You've got to, uh, you've got to lean into the, what do they say? Is it lean into your privileges? I don't know. I don't know what they say. I can't take it too seriously. It doesn't make sense to me, really. And maybe it's because I'm not woke. Maybe I'm still asleep. Some of the videos I watch on Instagram prove that I'm asleep, I reckon, because I laugh at things that a 35-year-old guy shouldn't laugh at. Jessie will come into the room, and, and I'll, be, I'll be pissing myself laughing. She'll go, oh, my gosh, babe, like, this must be so funny. What is it that you're watching? And I'll show her, and she'll go, you, you know what? That's a very – you're even more immature than I thought you were. I'll say, well, that's hurtful. She goes, I'm not, I'm not, that, I'm not that worried about – your emotions on this situation. I just wish you'd grow up now that you're a father. I said, well, you know, I feel like this kind of pressure that you're, you're, bringing, you're bringing my way, it actually, it actually makes it harder for me to grow up because, because, especially what gives it away is when she says, why don't you grow up? I say, why don't you grow up? Once you start 
throwing back the insult or the question that's being asked of you, I think that's a pretty clear sign that you're not as mature as you need to be. Like, you know when you're in primary school and someone says, you're an idiot, and you go, you're, you are? You go, well, that's okay, they're grade three, let them go. Your mum's fat, your mum's fat, my mum's dead. Oh shit, I've gone too far. I've bloody, I didn't, I didn't know, sorry Pete. What happened to her? She's attacked by a crocodile. Oh fuck, <laughs> shit, I'm so sorry. But it's too late, he's already gone and told Mr. Valan. I go, was she fat before she died? No wonder the croc ate her, the big fatty boomba. That's so hurtful. But that's the thing, emotions are dangerous like that because, because you'll say things that you wish you weren't. Even in the moment, like if Jesse and I are having an argument, or if, if anyone's having an argument with me, or I'm having an argument with them, even if we're arguing together, if they say something that's hurtful, all of a sudden I, I, lose, all, I lose all care about their emotional state. I just want to win the argument is my goal. If I can win the argument, I win the situation. And then I always leave and I'm like, wow. I can't believe I punched that guy in the ball sack and called his mum a whore. <laughs> that was too much. She's lovely. I know his mother. And she was there at the table while I said it. Sorry, Pat. But that's the kind of thing you've got to deal with. If you, This is why meditation is important because you've got to learn to be able to deal with those difficult emotions that go through your, mo your, your, your mind and, and not vocalize them, I think is the thing. So once you start vocalizing them that it's a problem, you've got you to suppress it. That's probably bad advice because I, I think the Catholic Church used to talk about suppressing sexual urges and that always comes out in bad ways, doesn't it? It's weird. It always seems to happen when the, when the kids are confessing their sins, the, the priests are doing their sinning. Man. I don't... Yeah... I think anything suppressed is actually bad. So I'd like to I'd like to take back what I said. Maybe just learn to vocalize your frustrations in a way that's not so offensive. That's that's I reckon a healthier take. If you if you can have a healthier take like that, I, I think I think your whole life's gonna be better. If you can avoid calling someone a slut or abusing their mum during the middle of an argument, especially if it's about something small like which team will win the AFL premiership this year, there's no need for that to get to a point where where you start start abusing the other person. I remember a few years ago, uh, it was 2008 actually, just before, just before I, I got myself all in a relationship with, uh, I don't know why, I've I, I watched too many American uh, people and, and every now and then I'll slip into an American accent. I did it on purpose, but it's just, it, it always just sounds so wanky, I reckon. A few years ago, I went up to, went on a road trip with my, with my, with my best mate, Jocker. Where did we go? We went up to the Gold Coast and, and we'd spent a week, in fairness, we'd spent a week together before we left because his dad lives out on a massive property and, and for the week we had, to, we had to clean up the property. We had to go and pick up sticks and uh, I'm not actually 100% sure what it is. It's what the purpose of it is. Maybe it makes it easier to mow or maybe it's better for the fields. But we had to go and pick up sticks and, and we we're going... Uh... That's actually a legitimate way to use the word faggot, isn't it? You can use the word faggot because that was the original meaning of a pile of sticks. Maybe you probably shouldn't use that word anymore just because of the connotations that it has to it. So I'd like to apologize to anyone who's offended by that word, but but also not. I would also like to retract that apology because it's it doesn't mean what you're you're upset about what you thought I meant when I said it. This is my problem when I argue, I get tongue-tied on my words. I'm arguing right now with you and I don't even know if you're angry at me. Not even 100% sure if you're mad, but if you are, I, I want to maintain our friendship. So I sincerely apologize. 
uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, we went on a road trip and spent that time together, cleaned up the field. His dad paid us 700 bucks each, like a legend, a week's work. I mean, we were working hard. But then we got in the car together and we're like, fire out, like we're already a bit sick of each other. How's this going to work? And then the conversation around the Olympic trials, and this is how petty it was, the conversation around the Olympic trials in the US came up and we disagreed on how a US Olympian should qualify. So I think in order to qualify, or in order to qualify, you not only have to have the time, but you have to, if you don't finish within the top three at the actual trials, well, you're not going to the Olympics. And I can't remember what side I took, which is probably evidence that it wasn't an issue to get passionate or as passionate about it as, as what I did. But I started abusing him based on his opinion. And I mean, we're an hour into a 15-hour trip, and it's so awkward that, because there's nowhere to hide. I just, I just put my, my, my sleep visor on. I thought, no, stuff this guy. I'll just play that grade, that grade one trick. If you can't see me, I can't see. If I can't see you, you can't see me. He could see me. He just kept saying things like, Tyce, you're, you're being ridiculous. Yeah, I can still see you. I was like, mate, just, I, you, you can't. Just focus on the road. Why are you looking at me? And he's like, I, I cannot believe how petty you are. He goes, can you pass me a muesli bar? I was like, you're not having another muesli bar, jocker. You've already had two. This was us. We're like a little married couple. And plus, I can't see where the muesli bars are. I've got an ice shield on you, cockhead. I don't know how we managed to to have such a good trip that trip because it started off rough. I think the thing with I think the thing with a good relationship, and, and me and Jocko have a good relationship, it's the same with me and Jesse, is you've got to get over it. You have to. You have to. And and I think the way that we got over it was once we got out of the car, he forced, he's six foot four and a lot bigger than me, um, which is hard to believe based on the, the width of my shoulders right now. But six foot four, a lot bigger than me, uh, he, he just came up and forced a cuddle on me. He doesn't cuddle a lot, so I, I, knew, that he was, I knew that he was sorry. But I, he had nothing to be sorry for. I was the problem. But his hug was proof that he had accepted the apology, the apology that I hadn't given him. We had a couple of arguments that trip, actually. We, because what are those things called where you're attached to two... It's like a, a show. Like if you go to the show, they've got two massive elastic bands. They're not elastic bands. They're like bungee cords. And then there's a capsule. You're sitting here. Is it like cannonball or something? I didn't want to do it because it was so scary. I just had no interest in it. I was like, no, 100% the, the rubber bands, whatever they're called their rubber bands are going to break and we're going to we're going to shoot into space fall down and it will be on the news that night because he'd survived and i'd i died somehow my seatbelt my mind races in those moments i start thinking worst case scenario which doesn't help and so uh we got in an argument about that i was like oh i don't have any money he's like i'll pay for you i was like you don't have any money he's like no it's all right i'm going to the casino i'll win some and I was like, that's not how the casino works. No joke. He went to the casino, won 200 bucks, came back, and he'd already paid for our tickets. And I was like, you know what? There's nothing about this trip that I enjoy. Your company, this ride, your attitude. It didn't matter. He made me go on. As I said, when you've got a friend who's that big, how, how do you argue? I was in the peak of my distance running career at the time, and, and there's not really any way that you can wiggle your way out of that. Hmm. So I just, I copped it sweet. I copped it sweet and I had the time of my life, which was the worst thing, because I, I didn't want him to be right, but he could see in my face how much fun I'd had. I got off and he goes, did you like it? And I was like, ugh, it was okay. He's like, bro, was, it the, was that the best thing you ever did? I go, bro, it was the best, it was actually the best thing I've ever done. 
I just couldn't. It's like me when I fly. I'm a. I get nervous at takeoff and landing, but then, but then when I land, it's like a. It's a. It's a crazy adrenaline rush. I was like, I, I love flying. That is so much fun. I'm that guy. Do you ever? I don't know. Maybe maybe you're like me. If you're a nervous flyer, I don't know if I'm a nervous flyer really. I just get nervous when it's really turbulent. Actually, that's not true. I get nervous when I think about the fact you're in a in a tube in the middle. Of, I just I don't understand how it works. I think is the problem. And I think just not understanding how something works. Like, how does something that heavy get that high up in the air and, and just make it? I think that's where I get a little flustered because it just I just can't comprehend how it works. I'll start judging the I'll start judging the revs. If the plane goes quiet for a minute, I go, uh oh. If it goes too loud for a minute, I go, oh no. I remember a few years ago we were um but I was telling you guys a story then. What was I telling you about? I was telling you about Jocker and that trip that we went on. I was telling you about the adrenaline rush. It doesn't matter. It, was, it wasn't actually going to be that good a story anyway. But I was on a flight a few years ago, and uh, I don't know exactly what was going on, but they, they came on so casually, the pilots, and they said, uh, that's what I was telling you about. I was telling you about questioning. I'll get back to that. Um, they said, oh, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna, you're going to feel quite a drop in the aircraft in a moment because we have to do a petrol drop. And I was like, quite a drop? They said, yeah, you'll feel it within the next minute. And I was just sitting there for the next minute going, oh, shit, when's this going to, how far are we going to drop? We don't even look like we're that high up anymore. Are we going to drop into the ocean? No, I don't, don't drop us into the bloody ocean. Just do a little drop if you're going to do it. And anyway, it was the most tense next hour because the drop just never came. They said, ladies and gentlemen, we didn't actually have to do a petrol drop. Things worked out. I was like, just... You guys bloody love the microphone. You love coming on and talking about what's going on in your little cockpit. Why don't you just give us an update on the fact the plane's not going to drop? Because it's like, you know, what are those things at the, at the show where you, you sit up there and you, you do like a free fall? I think it's called a free fall. The anticipation is not knowing exactly when it's going to fall. So you're up there 80 meters in the air and all of a sudden, like you might sit there for a minute, all of a sudden it just drops. That's the fear. If you're on a bloody aircraft, and I don't, I don't know why I said aircraft, if you're on an aeroplane and uh, you're telling people that any moment we could drop, you may as well have us on a bloody adrenaline ride at the park, at the show. That's how scared we are, or me personally. But I'm that kind of guy that when, whenever there's a pilot around, I, I always like to ask questions around what's going on. Like I'll, I'll ask if they ever get scared. I'll ask... Um, you know what is turbulence there's a there's a website dedicated to this which i probably should go to because yeah my my good mate andy his wife controversial is a pilot i say controversial because do any of us really want a woman flying our plane it's just a question i'm just saying i'm not saying i feel that way uh, i'm just saying they should be back where they belong laying bricks that's the thing. You can't judge a pilot based on colour, on sex. You have to judge them on skill. As long as they get you to where you need to be, they're, they're a good pilot in my eyes. Actually, the way... So so Andy met this pilot. She's a Jetstar pilot, Jamie. Absolute legend. And uh, this is this is true Andy. I know you don't know him, but let me paint a picture for you. Like, all through high school, he was... He was a little bit ahead of me. He was he was miles ahead of me with his with his ladies game. He just he knew how to talk to girls. Or I, I yeah, he did. He did. He knew how to talk to girls. He just had a, I, I hesitate because he had a different approach to what I had. 
is the hesitation. He, and I say he had a different approach to what I had because quite often he would ask me to take a note to the girl that he liked because I was quite happy to approach them. But he was, he, he, he's still a good looking man, but he peaked early. He was a, you know, if we were sitting next to each other at a cafe and the waitress came across, she would have been more interested in him. I'm sure, I'm sure of it, unless she had like this weird distance running taste where she goes, hey, can I see your ribs when you run? I go, yeah. She goes, that is what I'm into. If that's what she was into, then she probably would have chosen me because he was he was a lot more bulky, not fat. He was a swimmer. He just had that. He just had a good amount of meat on him. Without, you know, I'm not a gay man. He had a decent amount of meat on him. And so uh, he got on the plane this one particular time. Saw her in the in the cockpit because they have the door open at the start. And then at the end, they said, "Ah, oh, ladies and gentlemen, I've been your captain, Jamie." Uh, whatever her last name was. So he jumped on Facebook, sent her a message and said, hey, a little bit turbulent up there today, wasn't it? Was uh, everything going okay? Everything all right? And she was like, ha ha, um, yeah, it was all, all fine. What's going on? Ended up going out for dinner, going to a casino. Now they've got two kids. I mean, it didn't happen at that speed. I'm not sure what happened on that first date. If his lucky numbers came up, so to speak. But I mean, they did eventually. And I'm glad for him. She's a beautiful woman. They did, they did well together. But flying's changed, I reckon. Flying's changed the last few years. I remember when I was 13 years old, I was flying from Melbourne to Tasmania, and the last 10 minutes, the pilot came up to me and he goes, uh, oh, he didn't come to me. The flight attendant came up and said, hey, would you like to, would you like to go up to the cockpit? And I was like, 100, of course. That's it. I would love to go. That's part of the only, I think that's the only reason I fly. And so I went up there and, and the pilot was talking to me and, you know, he, he had a certain level of confidence about himself. He was like, you know, if you work hard in school, you could be a pilot. I'm thinking, I don't want to be a pilot. Sit in this little stupid room for six hours, you know, carrying people's lives across a little jump of ocean. Yeah, it's just not my thing, but I'm glad, I'm glad they do what they do. But, uh, but yeah, 2001 changed that. I reckon once the world saw a couple, of, a couple of planes fly into the building, all of a sudden 13-year-old boys couldn't just go up to the cockpit. And I think there's good reason for it as well. One sec, I'll just fix that. Because you've got to start them early. I think anyone who's passionate about any field doesn't, doesn't have to wait until they're 35 to get started. Like if, you, if you're a well-built 13-year-old and you've got the right beliefs and the, the pilot lets you in, like as if you as if you wouldn't let your uncle in to, to do what he wants to do. Mind you, we're starting to talk about some more deeper philosophical, I was going to say spiritual, I'm not sure that it is. Is it? I mean, some people would justify that it is. I, just, I don't see the spiritual component to flying planes into buildings. But that, I guess that could be me. I'm not 100% sure. There's a lot of spiritual things. I still don't really understand speaking in tongues either, you know, and I went through a phase where... I went through a phase where I started going to a church in 2008 as a Pentecostal church and I walked in and there was some stuff going on there. People were speaking in tongues and I thought, I, I just assumed, I thought, honestly, I thought they were speaking Latin. I thought they were speaking a language that, that I just didn't understand. And, and before you know it, before you know it, you get a crew that you like around you from that scene for long enough and you're the weird one for, for not doing it. Before you know it, you're, you're sitting there spitting out tongues. I, I, I mean, I went through a phase, but I, I never really understood it. I never claimed to either. That's a lie. I claim to a lot, I think. I, I, I used to... I think the way you explain it, I think people say it's a, it's a way of, of using groans to communicate with God, I think is what they say. I don't know. It's weird. I've been, I've been out of that church for a while now, so it's, it's hard for me to back up the old me who used to... 
who used to believe it. It's weird as well. Like the belief in God is a is an interesting thing, isn't it? Like I remember I remember once I used to live with one of my best mates. He's I don't know if he's atheist or he's sort of on the fence a little bit, but he had some good points. And I was I was like passionate Christian at this stage. I say passionate. I mean more like maybe maybe in your face a little too much. I don't even know if that's true. I'm still trying to figure this out. I need to ask some people I know how I went. My best mate, Jocker, that I told you about that I went on a road trip with a few years ago, he, he, said, I, he said I managed it well, which was good. He goes, I couldn't handle someone who's too in your face Christian. So, I mean, I'm passing a couple of tests. But I remember I, was, I must have been 19 and I got into a debate with this guy because he was like, well, God's not, God can't do everything. I was like, bro, of course he can. Easy. He's like, all right, well, if I cracked my phone screen, could he fix that? I was like, mm-hmm. If he wanted to, he could, but he just doesn't want to do that. He's like, all right, what about kids with cancer and that? Could he could he fix that? I was like, yep, if he wanted to do that, he could do that. And then the more questions you answer, the, the harder it is to understand. But, I mean, we're not supposed to know everything, are we? It's one of those, I don't want to get too philosophical, too, uh, too down there. I don't want to get too close to fundamental Christianity in this podcast because, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of information coming at your ears that's probably, it's very, very silly. So to make a jump across to the legitimacy of God and the way he operates, I, I mean, it just seems like a leap for me to make personally. There's people out there that I'd recommend you go and listen to who could do a good job, but I just don't feel like pop culture podcast is the right place because, honestly, like, the fact that this conversation, it's not even a conversation, it's a, it's, a conversation involves two people. That's very, very bold for me to refer to this rant as a, as a conversation. But let's just call it a conversation to make me feel like I'm not the only one who's speaking, though I am. I hope you're responding. Uh, I, just, I think the fact that this podcast started just moments ago with me speaking about flying a plane into a building and somehow we've got to speaking in tongues, it's just the nature of the podcast. You never know where you're going to go is, is the motto. Never know where you're going to go, you know. See where it takes you. Good luck to you. Anyway, what do you think of this new, this temporary studio? Shit, me too. <laughs> because, in fairness to me, though, what happened was, so I got, I got home. As I said, I got home from a workout. As, you, as you can tell, you know, you probably don't need to even, you probably don't even need to, me to tell you that because the triceps looking good, the shoulders are looking broad, and the biceps. Whenever I get too skinny, this bird on my arm, it starts looking like a very small bird. And once it starts looking like an eagle, like now, a little bit, you know you're in good form. Anyway, I've, I've, somehow, I've somehow turned this back to... Uh, I often try and claim that I'm not vain, and I've spent at least five minutes on this podcast speaking about my triceps. So I've lost my own argument, even if I was arguing with myself, which in this particular case, I am, I lose. But yeah, I, I got home from the uh, from the workout this morning, obviously. And uh, my stepmom, she's not my stepmom at all. She's not my stepmom. My dad didn't marry her. It's my wife's mum. It's my mother-in-law, my little man, and, and my wife were about to bail. And I thought, well, as I said, I got an hour. I got to quickly set up. And I didn't know exactly where to set up because I wanted to give you guys like a little bit of a, hey, wearing cans vibe. But uh, we're in a unit here and... You need to move the other units around me to be able to see the mountains, and so it probably wouldn't have done justice. So I thought you can just you can just see our lounge room is what you can see the blue couch, my boy's motorbike just here. It's it's fine, it's fine. Then today we're going to go to the crocodile park this afternoon, which is it's going to be interesting because I'm not sure whether 
I've got mixed feelings about endanger, uh, in, enclosed wildlife in the sense that I just, I'm constantly terrified. I've, I've seen, is it Bluefish? Have you seen that documentary, Bluefish, where it's about, it's about these whales that are kept captive and every now and then they just go absolutely psycho and, and drag the carers down underwater until they die? I, whenever, I'm, whenever I'm in a crocodile park, which I've never been before, but whenever I think of being at a crocodile park or whenever I think of being just with wild animals... I go, I'm just going to keep my distance because I, crocodiles are, you can tell by the look of them how dangerous they are, I think. And we're going on one, we're, apparently we're going to the feeding and I, I get nervous because my little boy's the perfect size snack for a croc. I think he'd be like a muesli bar for a, for a crocodile. And I know out of all of us, he's the one who's going to want to get the closest and so, it's, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, it's going to be strange. Though. I feel Cairns is the kind of place where you actually, it's almost what you stereotype Australia as. This is, I'm from Melbourne. So if you're listening from overseas right now, Australians, we've got this reputation that we love to promote of us being so laid back, so carefree, so relaxed. Hey, we don't do what we're doing. We just do whatever. It's a lie, essentially. Like, I think the last two years of COVID have showed that we're, we're a bunch, like, I think, honestly, we're lovely, but we're a bunch of pussies. But you can be lovely and a bunch of pussies at the same time. I love Australians, but they're a bunch of pussies that just drink beer. That's that. <laughs> that's the thing. So that's the thing. But Australia, I love you, and I am one of you. So I mean, I'm in that category with you. But I just, I just think we need to lift our game. And I, I get to, I get to London, and people go to me, "Hey, mate, I've never been." They don't say that at all because they're British. They go, "Hello, mate. I've never been to Australia before. I'm too scared of all the bloody wildlife." I go, yeah, mate, now you get used to it after a while. You bloody, I mean, there's a few crocs, a few a few little snappy snaps, a couple of spiders and a couple of pythons. But, mate, it's all part of a day's work for us down there in Aussie, 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 I say. And they're like, mate, you're very brave. I go, yeah, a lot of people do say that. A lot of people have referred to me as brave. I personally don't claim that title. But, yeah, many, many people have told me I am. So, I mean, there must be something to it. I mean, there has to be, there has to be something to it if, if everyone's saying it. But then you come to Australia and you come to Melbourne and it's lattes, it's just woke people, it's cafes with like, we got a, we got we live in a town that just I've I've actually I've never seen a I've never seen a black man or woman there before, and there's a cafe that on the wall it, it says Black Lives Matter silences violence. I'm like I, I get it, I get it, but I also I'm just confused because I've never seen a black person come into your cafe. So is this is this legit? We, what are we doing? Melbourne's a weird place at the moment, especially at the moment. There's a lot of soy milk. There's a lot of almond milk. You can get all the stuff you need. You can get a lot of soy. You can get a lot of almond milk. You can get a lot of... There's great cafes. We've got that. But but I think the average Australian is is as scared of spiders as what you are. I think the average Australian is as scared as pythons as what you are. This morning on my run, because this is the only place where you legitimately might see a big python on, on your run. I think maybe you'll see one in... Do you see them in the Northern Territory? Surely, surely you see them. Wherever there's alligators and croc- or wherever there's crocodiles, there's, there's big spiders as well. So this morning, uh, and pythons is what I was trying to say. I was coming home, running home from the, the gym. And uh, even me, as a, as a bloke from Melbourne, I, I was on the lookout for spiders. Uh, for, why do I keep calling spiders and pythons? Like, they're very different. I was on the lookout for them and quite nervous. Like I feel like a tourist up here. Because what's crazy is right now I'm closer to Papua New Guinea than I am to, to Brisbane. I'm like a lot closer to Papua New Guinea than I am to Victoria. It's, Australia's a big spot. 
But I can see the appeal up here. The weather's warm. I got on the plane in Melbourne yesterday. I was wearing uh, pants and a jumper. It was just a thin jumper. And as I went out onto the tarmac, the lady said to me, she's like, you need a jacket. I was like, bloody oath. And then I got off the plane in Cairns and I was like, why am I wearing pants? <laughs> There's no reason for pants to be being worn right now. So the uh, I'm hoping that in next week's podcast, my complexion, vanity again. Why do I do that voice? Because it's my podcast. I do what I want. What a wank. There's parts of this podcast where I say things like that. And I go, well, it should be deleted. But you can't just delete the evidence because I don't want you guys thinking I'm one kind of person who's, uh, you know, pretty laid back, chilled out, whatever. And you see me in person, you realise I do voices like that. Anyway, so next week, I'm, I, think I'll, I think I'll have a tan is the goal. I think I'll have a... I've packed too many clothes. I think the giveaway that you're a Victorian is when you packed a, at least three jackets. Because once you start talking about styled jackets, like what's my most stylish jacket... It proves that you're living, you're living in a relatively cold location. And so I get up here and my styled jackets just serve no purpose because the truth is you, you don't need a jacket this week. I won't need a jacket this week. Anyway, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. You can't swim up here either because there's alligators in the water. There's like little, I don't even know if they're alligators. I think they're crocodiles. Saltwater crocodiles. But um, See, every, every noise like that, I don't know if you can hear that dog barking, but there is a, there's an element of nervousness in me at the moment just about the wildlife because I never jump at a dog barking. And just then that, that noise terrified me. But uh, we're, we're 10 minutes from a beautiful beach, but you can't swim in it because, because crocodiles swim there. And my mother-in-law said to me yesterday, no, they've, they've, put, uh, they've put nets up so they're safe. But I've seen crocodiles. They could swim to the shore and, and just swim in where the nets are, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like it wouldn't be that challenging. But uh, yeah, so I'm just a, I'm a little bit torn about about what to do up here with the wildlife situation. If you've got any any tips, there's because there's too many stories about people being taken away. There's too many stories about people going out for a late night dip. Four people go out for a late night dip. Three of them get out and they never find the next one. You go, well, that's a crocodile. There's no doubt in my mind that's a crocodile. You can't you you probably can't argue with the fact that's a crocodile because what else? Unless he drowned. But I mean. There's scuba divers that go out into these into these nets and beyond to. I'm sure they've got some kind of repellent, so the crocodiles can't get them. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I heard Joe Rogan talking about a uh, a lady. He's talking to the Black Keys, and he's talking about a lady who took a selfie with an alligator. And then as she walked away from the alligator, she was like, "Oh, stuff that! I'll never do that again." The alligator snuck up behind her and, and attacked her. It got her. Because you don't, you can tell they're dinosaurs. You don't need to be a genius to see they're dinosaurs. I don't think they they look exactly like what a dinosaur would look like. Do you know watching a kids show this week? I always thought that the name of the uh, the you know pterodactyl. I've only learnt this week that the name for it is pterodactyl. Until this week, I thought it was pterodactyl, which I think is a is a way better name. I was watching Blippy on YouTube, don't do it. It's very it's a very strange experience. He's got he's got a lot of views for, for what he brings to the table and I mean I'm mildly jealous about about the views that he has and about how much my kid loves him. But Blippi was referring to this flying dinosaur the other day and said hey, it's a it's a pterodactyl and I was like, Oh he's made a he's made a typo, which is strange for such a successful channel. I, I would have thought his producers and editors would have spent a little bit more time, you know, just trying to figure out exactly what it's called. But he'd made no mistake at all. It was a pterodactyl. So, I mean, it's educational for me. It's educational for my boy. It's, 
You never stop learning is what I'm trying to tell you. But ladies and gentlemen, I, uh, I'm on a limited time frame today because I've got to go get changed. We're going to this crocodile park. Wish me luck. Wish me luck. We'll see how we go. It's going to be a little bit of fun, but I've, I've promised that the house will be clean, that I'll be changed from my workout, and that I'll be ready to go. And uh, they'll be here in seven minutes. And that's how long it takes me to dismantle this this podcast studio, whatever you think of it. Most of the work is behind, is is over there, the camera, the box that it's sitting on, my suitcase. Um, should have come up with some soundproof option, but didn't didn't quite. Maybe next week I'll I'll come up with a better location. Maybe next week I'll figure out a way to do this podcast from uh from beneath a palm tree, just to bring a little bit of cans to you, so you're not just looking at uh, looking at my mother-in-law's lounge room. But nonetheless, guys, you have a, a good rest of the week. Much love to you and your family, and uh, I'll see you all again here next week. Mm-hmm.